0: University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. Did you ever play the soda tab game when you were a kid? So when you lift the soda tab up and you and your friends go back and forth and flicking it and whoever has the final flick that knocks the tab off wins the game. Speaking of tabs, a little piece of aluminum sometimes is so annoying. Have you ever rubbed your lip or cut your lip when you're drinking from it? What's the whole purpose besides opening up? Why are they designed in such a way? I had a friend when we were growing up was convinced that it was designed so that in the summertime you could turn it around and prevent any bees from going inside it, so you didn't swallow a bee. Ironically, he had his tab turned around when he did, in fact, swallow a bee uh, that was a horrible incident. Like many of the products we have in our life, sometimes the original design is not the way that we actually properly use it as customers. So take, for example, this tab on the soda. Did you know it's actually designed for you to turn it around and to place a straw inside of it so that the straw doesn't move or fall out as you're sipping from your soda can. See, sometimes we think we have things the right way, and it's actually backwards or wrong altogether. This is the invitation of Jesus. Jesus is inviting us to see that our world has so often turned things backwards or upside down, and God is intending us through an invitation through Christ to turn things right side forward or right side up. And the more and more we study the words and actions of Jesus, we see that he is, he is inviting us to change our way of thinking and living. And there's no greater way than he does this through the parables we find in the Gospel of Luke. That Jesus takes our expectations and understanding of this world and helps us to see that, that it's actually upside down. And through parables, Jesus is turning it right side up. Or to use maybe Jesus' terminology, we are living in a magdictum and he's inviting us into a kingdom instead. So for this, we look at a familiar parable that's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into action, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building his house who dug deep down and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came and the torrent struck, the house could not shake because it was well-built. But the one who hears my words and does not put it into a practice is like a man who built his house on ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed with a great destruction. That's hard to believe, but this month will make 15 years since Katrina came through Louisiana. 2005, two other major hurricanes had already cycled in the Atlantic. The storm churned in the Gulf of Mexico, building to a Category 5. It was a surprising aspect of the storm is when it made landfall, it was actually a Category 3, but what, what caused the most devastation in Louisiana was the floodwaters, the gallons upon gallons of water that were dumped, um, and, and the 125 mile per hour winds. But for many of us who were too familiar with it, those who lived in the state, I remember coming in the state to participate in recovery relief work. Uh, Flooding caused most of the damage. In fact, the engineering flaw at the levee system in New Orleans, 80% of the city uh, and large tracts of neighboring areas were inundated with with floodwaters. Tens of thousands of people were left stranded in the city since there was no transportation or communication facilities to, to actually get them out. And the environmental impact was, was devastating. Oil platforms were destroyed, islands washed away, uh, forests flattened, uh, aquatic life was ruined, human and biological and chemical waste spread everywhere. And when the bills stacked up, it was over $150 billion. Families and business owners were forced to relocate. Over 1 million people relocated out of the New Orleans area and never returned. Over 1,200 people died. It didn't matter if you were white or black, Republican or Democrat, straight or gay, rich or poor. This storm affected every single person who was in its path. You see, Jesus tells a parable of two men who experienced the storm. And while the context of their housing structure is the turning point of the story, they both experienced the rains and the wind and the rising waters so too we all will experience storms in our life. These storms take on so many different forms, don't they? We, of course, are still in the thick of this COVID-19 pandemic. The vast number of those infected by the virus, over 40 million people who have lost their jobs, over 5 million people have been infected by the virus, over 162,000 people have died in the United States alone. Some of us experience a storm A fear and isolation and rejection. While others have the torrent of of the past with its failures, its what-ifs, its hurts. Some of us experience the mighty storm of broken relationships. Whether it be relationships or friendships or, or parental relationships or with our children or with our spouse. And While others face a toxic storm at the workplace. Some of us experience the crippling storm of economic instability with the surmounting bills and, and debt, while other of us face the torrent of, of health struggles, of uncertain diagnosis, of painful rehabilitation, or these aching system uh, sy- symptoms that don't seem to ever go away. See, sometimes we experience the dark storm of depression. It feels like being tossed back and forth in a dark current. It seems that no matter our circumstances... No matter our station of life, our our gender identity, our economic status, our political affiliation, our sexuality, our our race or ethnicity, our religious persuasion, we all experience mighty storms in our life. One of the first things that when you come into the Baton Rouge area, you you notice when you drive through is the Capitol building. If you were raised in Louisiana, then you know that it's the tallest state capitol in the United States at 450 feet 34 stories high. Now, Texas tried to outdo our state capital because that's just what Texas does, but you know what? They failed. Ours is the tallest. Take that, Justin. Sorry. Uh, uh. The building contains uh, t- uh, 249,000 square feet. Approximately uh, 2,500 carloads of materials were, were brought through a special rail system to build this capital. There's all different st- types of stones uh, and bricks and marble and bronze and steel, all these different kinds of things that made it together. This magnificent structure has stood the test of time as this towering image of Louisiana. It has actually faced dozens upon dozens of storms and hurricanes, and yet it has stood the test of time. You see, a solid foundation makes all the difference when facing a storm. Going back to the parable of Jesus, we quickly differentiate between these two men and their story. Now, Matthew gives us more specific details in his version of the parable, because he says, one man built his house on rock, the other man built his house on sand. When the floods came, Jesus said, the torrent struck both houses, one shook and stayed in place; the other collapsed in the mighty storm. You see, there is different kinds of foundations that we can build in our life. Sometimes you can lay a foundation, and it doesn't work the way you plan for it. So, take for example the Tower of Pisa, located in the Cathedral of Piazza maracato It's it, in Pisa, in, in Italy. It's this bell tower that's been there since 1173. Did we mention that the uh, Italian word for Pisa is actually marshlands. That's actually what it stands for, and that's why it leans. You see, the original uh, architect who built it didn't calculate for the foundation settlement in marshlands. Instead of tearing it down and starting over again, he thought he would rectify it by making the side that was leaning less heavy than the side that wasn't leaning, and it made it lean even more. So it stands today leaning four degrees of an angle. See, Jesus' parable begs the question, what kind of foundation stares down a storm? And as we look at the context uh, within Jesus teaching this parable, it matters because Jesus is in the thick of this important teaching in the Gospel of Luke called the Sermon on the Plain. Matthew's version of this is called the Sermon on the Mount. They couldn't agree on what the landscape looked like, but the teachings are very similar. So Jesus has been teaching people about how to build this new way of life. He says, blessed are the poor and the hungry and the mournful and the excluded and the insulted. Matthew says, blessed are those in spirit. Luke just says, well, actually, no, we're just talking about those who experience those things in their life. He tells people that they ought to love their enemies, but unlike Matthew's gospel where he ends it right there, Jesus goes as far as saying that you not only should love them, but you should serve them, bless them, pray for them, and do good for them. Because how easy is it to love those who already love you back? Jesus has this crowd of people Around him, and he calls them to resist the impulse to judge and condemn other people. Instead, he calls them to this profound sense of mercy and grace and forgiveness to to not be a judge in people's life, but instead to extend to them love and forgiveness. And Jesus wraps up this parable by teaching, wraps up this teaching by telling this parable As for everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. You see, the foundation that can stare down a storm is one built on the foundation of Jesus' words put into action. So how do we build a foundation on words? Have you ever played this game? It's called, Who Said It? You take quotes from uh, two different people, and you have to decide whether it's A, this person, or B, this person. So we're going to play a quick game this morning. Uh, We're going to try to guess whether these are the words of Alice Cooper or the Dalai Lama. In other words, the words of the rock icon or the symbol of unification of the state of of Tibet, okay? So here's how we're gonna do it. You're gonna vote your right hand for Alice Cooper. You're gonna vote your left hand for the Dalai Lama. Everyone ready? All right, let's go to question, or quote number one. Computers make me blank out. Alice Cooper or the Dalai Lama? Okay, I'm trying to see, okay, all right. The answer to that one is actually the Dalai Lama, yeah. All right, here's the next quote. I don't think you just float around when you die. Alice Cooper or the Dalai Lama? Some of y'all are hesitant to an answer now because you got it wrong the first time. All right, the answer to that is Alice Cooper. All right, for, uh, for the third quote. I have never influenced people in a negative way. I'm not about to start now. Alice Cooper or the Dalai Lama? Again, there's some hesitancy in answering this. The answer to that one is Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. All right, and our final quote here. If someone has a gun and is trying to kill you, it would be reasonable for you to shoot back with your own gun. Alice Cooper or the Dalai Lama? Surprisingly, the answer to that is the Dalai Lama. You see, what if we played this game with Jesus' words and the words of someone else? Would we be able to pick them out? Do we know the words of Jesus by which we are called to build as the foundation? of our lives. Jesus said that anyone who listens to my words and puts them into action will have a foundation that can face down a storm. The folks at the American Bible Society recently did a survey giving the participants the option between picking the words credited to Jesus or crediting those words to Han Solo. Only 48% of the participants actually knew the words of Jesus, and in fact, uh, those that claimed to be a Bible-centered person only got 78% accuracy on crediting Jesus with the words. You know the quote that tripped everybody up? You are from this world, but I am not. Who said it? It's actually Jesus from the Gospel of John. See, some Bibles give us a leg up in recognizing Jesus' words by putting them in red-letter print. The Gospels credit Jesus with speaking uh, 83,368 words. Jesus' words are recorded in the Gospels, are parables and teachings and blessings and prayers and and warnings. Jesus' words, they heal the sick, the, the blind, the hurting. Jesus' words set the captive free from their bondage. Jesus' words give inclusion to the excluded. Jesus' words give hope to the hopeless, give joy to those mourning, lifting the burdens of their life. Jesus' words reshape the vision of religion and economics and politics and society as we know it. Jesus' words quite literally take an upside-down world and turn them right side up. Pew Research indicates that nearly 70% of American adult population identify themselves as being part of the Christian tradition. On and those identifying to be Christian, nearly 40% report that they read Scripture no more than once per week, if never. Another study found that 87% of households own a Bible. On average, they own three, and, 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 and about half of that have actually relatively read the Word itself and can actually quote it. And I don't want this to turn into an indictment on Jesus' followers' lack of knowledge of Jesus' words, but actually I would rather us turn this into an inquiry into if we have been misled about what this whole Jesus thing is about. See, nearly most of us in this space and joining us online were probably raised in the American evangelical tradition that told us the purpose, the nutshell of Jesus' invitation is to ask him into our heart, say a prayer, and then we go into heaven. It would shock all of us to hear that Jesus never uttered those words out of his mouth. It's a simple understanding, a simple prayer, and then you're done. And it's easy to understand that if if we think that is the invitation of Jesus, then why do we need to know his actions? Why do we need to know his words? Why do we need to worry about the way that he lived his life? Is that really what Jesus is inviting us into or is not the whole purpose of following Jesus to follow in his actions, in his words, in his way? Wouldn't it make complete sense then that we actually know Jesus' words and we put it into action? If you're driving down Goodwood Boulevard, passing through the various businesses and neighborhoods, you will quickly come upon one of the most remarkable structures in Baton Rouge. It's called the Main Library of the East Baton Rouge. Opening on January of 2014, this uh, 129,000 square foot building hoists three floors with more than 500,000 books, movies, electronic resources, and circulating artwork in all different collections. The main library is also the location of a career center which provides a free client-based service for people to learn how to build a, a resume so that they can go out and find a job and beyond. Uh, the many story times and studies and meeting rooms. The facility includes uh, quiet reading rooms that you can have for yourself, a technology lab, meeting rooms, a, a public rooftop terrace, a public plaza with water features, and a large chessboard. It's, it's dazzled with this stained glass window and recycled uh, paper waterfall that spans three floors. And the experience is, is all-encompassing. It's certainly not the type of library I grew up going to that was a boring four walls and a bunch of dusty books. The designer of that library is our own Ken Tipton. See, would you rather have the main library or a four-wall building with dusty books? That's a simple pick when you really think about it. You think, when we contrast that to the invitation of Jesus... This brilliant invitation into finding true life, a new way of living, and when we compare that to compartmentalized invitation that many of us follow, that decision seems so easy. Do we choose the amazing and intricate life through Jesus, or a compartmentalized religious connection to a one-hour time slot on Sunday morning? Jesus is inviting us into something more into true life, and we find that through his words and through his ways. And when we step back into Jesus' parable, by, by beginning to see what it looks like to hear and to put Jesus' words into action, he's, he's pointing to this man that built this solid foundation in his life. When Jesus uses that term, puts into practice, it's the Greek word uh, poie, which, which means Act or manufacture or construct. And so this parable is painting an image of what it looks like to, to construct our lives, to to build our lives around Jesus' word. The great Tsar and Kierkegaard put it this way: the fundamental purpose of God's word is to give us true self-knowledge. It's a mirror. And when we look at ourselves properly in it, we see ourselves as God wants us to see ourselves. The assumption behind it is that the purpose of God's revelation is for us to become transformed, to become the people God wants us to be. But this is impossible until we see ourselves for who we truly are. See, I think constructing our lives around Jesus' words means that we open ourselves up to the word and we consume it in our lives. This means we move beyond the cherry-picked verses that we all know. John 3.16, Philippians 4.13, Jeremiah 29.11. Instead, the invitation of Jesus is to know those verses, but know what's going on in those verses. Instead of just beginning to pick out those verses, we begin to immerse ourselves into Christ's Word, bathing ourselves in it, consuming it, allowing it to illuminate our lives. Daily, we participate in this process of journeying with God and knowing God's Word within our heart and our mind and our soul. What would it look like if the 40% of American Christians that rarely, if never, opened the Bible, what if all that changed? What would it look like if if you and I took this serious and constructed our lives built on the foundation of Jesus' word? During the coronavirus stay-at-home order, many people picked up hobbies with the little extra time they have. So take, for example, a friend of mine in North Carolina, along with his son, completed this 7,541-piece Millennium Falcon uh, Lego set. Now, the retail price for this is $799. I'm not saying if you love your pastor, uh, but I'm just throwing that out there. If you ever played with Legos, then you know it's not just a box full of pieces. It comes with this building instruction booklet that walks you through every single step. And the one for the Falcon is actually several hundred pages long. Now, why do they provide this book? Well, it's simple. Do you want the Millennium Falcon to look like a jumble of parts when you're done? Or do you want to make it look like the vessel that ran the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs? The answer to that is really simple. See, the guidebook is there to help lead you into success. But you have to choose whether or not you will put its wisdom into action. See, the key phrase from Jesus' parable doesn't end with anyone who hears my words and that's it. it. Instead, it says, anyone who hears my words and puts them into action. James puts it this way. He says, do not merely be listeners of the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word of God but does not do what it says is like a foolish person who looks at himself in the mirror and after looking at himself, walking away, forgetting what he looks like. So what are the words of Jesus that give shape to our life? Jesus said, the the thief comes to steal and destroy, but I have come that you might find life and have it abundantly. Jesus said that I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will find trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today is a trouble enough on its own. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the essence of what the Bible teaches us. What do you benefit by gaining the whole world and yet forfeiting your soul? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has given me power to preach good news to the poor, to recover sight from the blind, to give freedom to the captive, to set the prisoner free. Blessed are the poor, the hungry, those who weep, the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemaker. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. You cannot serve two masters. You will either hate one or love the other. You cannot serve God and do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, for God loves you and will give you all of these things. The kingdom of God. The greatest is not who exalts themselves, but those who are humble. Therefore I tell you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And one of my favorite quotes from Jesus in the Gospel of John, And they will know you are my followers by your love. So we set out to build the very foundation of our lives and our heart and our mind and our soul through Jesus' words. May we recognize that we will never get it perfect or 100% right, but that's when the most remarkable words of Jesus are fulfilled in our life through God's merciful and compassionate grace that seeks renewal within us again and again. As we've seen through the parable of the two builders Through story, Jesus is turning a backward world in the right direction. As Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, the foundation of a person is not in matter, but in spirit. May we come to see that Jesus desires to course correct in our lives and the world. May we come to see that to follow in the way of Jesus is by putting his words into action, building within the very foundation of our life so that we can stare down whatever storm comes our way.